You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We are a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change Recovery Podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blassengate. And if this is your first time meeting me, I am your host. I have been clean and sober for over 16 years. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor, interventionist, and the co-founder of a telehealth company called Lion Rock Recovery that provides substance use disorder treatment. Okay, today is our Q&A. Scott, what is on the docket? I'm so glad you asked, Ashley. Today, we've got a a pretty basic one, but I think it's one that maybe people have tried to figure out in a number of different ways. How do you know that you're addicted to something? So for you, okay, so if we're going all the way back, Mm -hmm. can you talk me through... I'm just kind of interested in maybe what was one of the first times that you kind of recollect having some awareness that you were actually addicted to something? There were a lot of little things. I do. I have one story that's like the moment. There were a lot of little things leading up to that. Things where like my friends weren't doing the things that I was doing the way I was doing them. So didn't want to hang out with people who didn't drink and use the way I did because it was just like instinctual. I didn't have a lot of coherent thoughts about that. But as my addiction progressed, two distinct memories. One memory, I was using cocaine very heavily with my sister. And she turned to me one day, we were in my childhood bedroom. I was probably maybe 14. And she said, we are addicted to cocaine or we have a cocaine problem, something like that. And I lost my shit on her. I was so angry with her. We were, <laughs> we were doing cocaine at the time. And, um, and she was like, you know, she was including herself in this. So it wasn't even, you know, like she wasn't trying to piss me off. It enraged me. I was so angry. I was like, we can't even talk anymore. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what my deal was. So I was so angry at her. So I remember that very clearly. And we talk about that because that piece was kind of the beginning of the end for our friendship and using together because we were very, very, very close using together, doing all these things together. And then as my addiction progressed, she sort of, you know, and she was using heavily with me, but she was able to move in a different direction. So that was the first thing that like really stands out to me. And then the next thing, and this was when I was like, Oh God, like this is real. So I start dating this guy and we're doing cocaine together all the time. And and this was like the main relation drug using relationship. He's 15 years my senior. We're using, I think I'm 14 or 15, maybe 15. And he has a serious heroin problem, which I don't find out until we're dating a little while. And so we're arguing about something and I'm trying to fix him, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, heroin, that's so awful. You know, we do cocaine, like, I don't know, whatever. It's like <laughs> you give these values or cocaine these... is below it in the food right, chain. Right, 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 of right. course. Like you have yeah. levels, like, and then there's like snorting levels and shoot, like how you administer or whatever. So there's, you know, whatever. It's all mind games. But anyhow, he, we're fighting and I'm, I'm, we're fighting about addiction basically. And he says to me, 
you have a serious cocaine problem. And I'm looking at him like, you're shooting heroin, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you looking like, how do you even have the nerve to say that? And in my head, I distinctly remember telling him and thinking to myself, no, I do not. I can stop doing this at any time. I just don't want to stop. Like I was like, I have literally never had a reason where I wanted to stop. I don't ever want to stop doing this. That doesn't mean I'm addicted. It just means I don't want to stop. So he says something to the effect of, I bet, right? Those are the wrong words for Ashley. I bet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, done. Gauntlet has yeah, been laid yeah. down. Literally don't know what's coming next, but I, you're on, motherfucker. So he says something like, I bet you can't stop using cocaine for two days or something. It was a short period. <laughs> <laughs> it was a short period of time. It was not a long period of time. And I'm like, you're on, like, you know, you're on, you junkie. Like, let's do this. And oh my God, like, I can't remember those days very well, but I remember thinking the thoughts, like, I remember very vividly going, oh shit, I'm addicted to cocaine. Like, okay. And you guys, Seriously, if you had seen my life at the time and like what I was doing, like the fact that this was the thing that finally seeped into my brain to let me know that it was a problem is actually laughable because of all the things I was doing and all the things that were going on. But like that was truly the first time I had ever really understood that this thing had a grip on me that even if I wanted to stop, which I did not, but even if I wanted to, to prove my boyfriend wrong, I wasn't able to. And that was kind of the first like, okay, so this is a problem. And interestingly for me, so that was like, oh shit, I have a problem. And then it was like, okay, well, I guess I can't stop. (laughs) 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 Like it wasn't like when I first had that hat thought, I wasn't thinking to myself like, oh my God, I'm addicted. This is blah, 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 whatever. I'm going to end up in some, like none of that. It was just like, well, shit. I mean, I guess I really can't stop. So was it helpful? Like, I mean, obviously you didn't respond well in either of those instances so much, but was there a benefit to somebody calling it out like that for you at the time? Do you feel like that's an important part of this? Okay. So I'm going to answer this question with a quick story. So when I was two years sober, I was doing, I was really struggling with whether or not I was an alcoholic. I knew I was a drug addict, but I was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I'm an an alcoholic, which again, laughable, like truly, truly laughable. But that is honest to God. I was like, it was a phase. It was really the drugs, blah, blah, blah. Right. So my sister, youngest sister comes to visit. She's five years younger than me. And she, and we're just talking about random stories. And we were talking about my bedroom growing up. And she was like, yeah, I used to move the water bottles under your pillows and in your sheets out of the bed. She's talking about when she was a little kid and coming to crawl into bed with me. And we weren't talking about using. She thought they were water. It literally didn't even occur to her. I had no memory until two years sober of the fact that in like late middle school and in early high school, I had water bottles of vodka in my sheets at all times. I had no fucking recollection. You know why? Because it was like brushing my teeth. I don't have any recollection of brushing my teeth all those years, but I know that I did it. It was so habitual. It was so routine. It was so nothing that I didn't even remember doing it. 
And my drug use had gotten so bad that it was just so overshadowed. And it was this literally this conversation with her at two years sober was the thing that was like, oh my God, like this has been here since the beginning. Like this is part of the foundation of the problem. The reason I say that is that the fact that the two things I remember distinctly, those probably aren't the only time someone told me I had a problem. There are probably other indicators, probably, haha, that there were like a myriad of issues. But those two instances to this day, 25 years later, I remember distinctly. One, I remember distinctly because it was my sister and we were doing cocaine at that very moment and she was including herself and I was strangely so offended. And it was such a bizarre thing, right? She's like coming from her. That was a really, that was a statement. And then the same with my boyfriend. I remember that really distinctly because I genuinely thought that I could. I just had never wanted to. So the importance, right, of these two people in my life saying that was when they had credibility in the sense that they were doing it too, right? It wasn't like a, I'm better than you. It was like my sister was including herself in it. And my boyfriend was, you know, it, it, he was saying like, no, you have a problem as well. So there wasn't a hierarchy there. It wasn't something to like intentionally make me feel badly, which I instinctively understood, but wasn't willing to look at. And then the other piece was the shock, the strange shock of realizing that my boyfriend was right. I really couldn't stop. So did those things help? Yes, because I can refer back to those moments and it reminds me, I can be transported into a moment of realizing despite many other indications that that, oh, like this is really happening. And it reminds me how entrenched in my lifestyle, my ideas, my denial I was, and also how serious the problem was, right? Like if I'm for whatever reason reflecting, I can go back to those moments. Okay. So if you are someone and you are maybe engaging in this behavior with other people and somebody sort of in as a callback to some of your stories, if somebody is in your same circumstances, they're doing it alongside of you and they call it out and they say, I think we're addicted. Is that a huge leap for you to say, maybe you should believe that person? Yeah, it's a good indicator that you should listen to it. But I mean, the reality is that addiction changes the way your brain works. It makes it so that your brain puts autonomic functions, right? Breathing, sleeping, sex, hunger. Your brain puts that substance into that same part of your thought process, right? So for example, your brain says, I need air, oxygen, I need water, I need sleep, I need food, and I need cocaine. And your brain literally puts all of those things at the same level. And eventually your brain actually puts the cocaine as the highest. You will stop sleeping. You will stop eating. You will stop, you know, shelter, like all those things. Other than the fact that you're breathing, if that were to go, if that weren't necessary, or if you could overcome that, you would. Like it is that powerful. So this idea that you're going to talk someone, especially while they're high, but you're going to talk them into like a certain point, the conversation doesn't really matter, but yes, it helps. It's good. You should, you know, if you're at the same level and you think you and your friend have a problem, then talking about it, you have that credibility. They may be like, nah, you have the problem. That's likely that they'll be in denial, but it is a much better person to have it coming from than it is someone who has no idea or no experience with the substance. There's no question that 
having experience, whether you're in it or you used to be in it with the topic is extremely helpful. It's like a veteran, right? A veteran, a war veteran, right? Like they don't want to hear, you know, oh, we can help you from someone who hasn't seen or felt what they have felt. They want to hear that from someone. The credibility is important in these conversations. It doesn't mean it's going to change anything though. Yeah, no. And I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I'm not suggesting necessarily that it will work, but I was just saying, you know... Probably credible. If yeah, yeah, definitely credible. Alongside you, definitely credible. Okay, so now, well, let's say like maybe it's not as apparent to me, right? Like maybe it's just starting to come into the edges of my life. Maybe I'm having a fight more with my partner than I normally would. Maybe I'm kind of flaking on some responsibilities. Like, where do you feel like the line is? Where I'm saying where there is like a shift from me saying I need to pull back on this to I'm addicted to this. Okay. So I'm going to try to answer simplistically, but it's a complicated answer. And the way that I like to simplify this question, and, and I know anybody who's heard me talk about it is like, oh, yeah, we get it, Ashley. <laughs> we go, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I want you take it and you make it its simplest form. If it's creeping into your life, is it causing you problems? You just described problems with your wife, with your, your, you know, your partner, with your kids. Like it's creeping in. Creeping in means it is causing problems on the fringe of my life. Well, every addiction starts off as creeping in. That's a blanket statement and not always true, but most addictions start off as creeping in. Most people do not start off with a full-blown addiction. It's a creep. And so no, you may not be addicted at that moment when it's creeping into the fringes, but it may be a problem you want to address before it becomes a full-blown addiction or it may be on its way or any of those other things. So I always go back to the first thing you do is, is this substance person behavior causing me problems? What is the thing I need to do to change that? But what if I really like the thing? You know what I mean, Ashley? Like, what if I really like it? And it's just a creep at this point. It's just a little... It's just like, it's not... I mean, we're not full-blown. Like, I don't like the label... Right. I don't like being told that I'm like, it's something I just like a lot. And yeah, like it's starting to creep a little bit. I hear what you're saying. Let's say I just really like it. And I don't really like this whole like people throwing labels on like I'm addicted to something. You know what I, you know what I mean? Why are you asking questions about it if you just really like it and it's working great for you? Mm, well put. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like, why are you even talking about it? I don't talk about my green bean consumption. <laughs> right. I don't talk about how often I use my vehicle. I don't talk about how often I turn on the air conditioning. My husband does though. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're talking about like a substance that you're using. How many other substances are you using that you've never talked about? Why are you talking about this one? Yes, you like it a lot. Okay, cool. Uh, There's lots of things I like a lot. I don't ever mention them. I don't talk to people about them, like about my use of them and things like that. That Those are indicators that something bothers you about it. So I'm asking, I'm throwing it back to you. What bothers, you know, okay, yeah, you really like it. Okay, so why are you talking about it? You know, I don't like the effects that it has in some of these things, right? Like it's not, I don't like fighting with my spouse. I don't like some of the ways that it's causing me to flake. But you know, like sometimes when you like something, there's just a trade-off, right? So the juice is worth the squeeze, if we will. Okay, so you are willing to endure those consequences 
and they may be small consequences or they may be big consequences. But at this point in time, the consequences are still worth what you get from alcohol or whatever it is. Right? Okay. Okay. Then I say, okay. But so, okay, let's say that I... All right. Now let's say I'm down the road a little bit and maybe it's creeping in a little bit more. I still don't really love this whole like label thing. What do I do about this? Like, I don't want to come to people and then have them say like, oh, okay, well, well, you're addicted, right? Like I can't wash that off, right? Once they've given me that label. So like, what do I do? Okay. Well, so I want to back up just a little bit with the last persona who was like, I like doing this and it's worth it. What I find with that with that stage of this is that they don't have a problem with it, but their spouse or other people have a problem with it, which is why they're bringing it up and that they wouldn't have brought it up had it not been brought up by these other people. So what happens is, is that person, you in this case, is saying, I don't have a problem with it. I like doing it. You know, she's just whining about it. And what ends up happening is I end up talking to the spouse who goes, what should I do about this? Right. So the person who's actually drinking is like, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to withstand your complaints about this and just want, want it out. Right. And the spouse is the one who's now reaching out to people saying, how do I help? What do I do? I have a problem. So the problem in the beginning shifts to the people around asking for help for that person or for the situation. That's how it starts typically when you're in that situation. Okay, go fast forward to further down the road. I can't wash addiction off. Well, first of all, I don't know where anyone's like, I'm not sure that's true. I would ask you to question that like, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe it is true. I don't know. It's not always true though. There are some people who are physically dependent on something and they're able to get off of it and change their relationship with it. Lion Rock Recovery has a moderation program, which is amazing, which would have never worked for me, (laughs) by the way. Okay. I tried moderation, right? It's like, but you might be different. Like, I have no idea. I had to go and seek, I had to go and try to drink moderately to find out that that wasn't going to work for me. That was my, that's my road. Some people just are like, yeah, I know. And other people, they can do it, whatever. It's different for different people. But there are programs, moderation programs, where you can reframe your drinking and change your drinking. So you find yourself physically dependent on alcohol. And then, you know, some might say addicted. And then you change your relationship relationship with the substance by doing some inner work, by resolving something, by change, whatever it is. And there are people that can help you with that. So I don't know, the stain of addiction, eh, maybe. I think that, again, I come back to the labels. Like You don't have to label something to start to work on it, right? So you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call your consumption whatever you want to call it. And it doesn't change the drinking or the relationship. Like It doesn't matter what you call it. You can call it hocus pocus and you will still end up in jail. (laughs) You will still end up with a DUI, okay? (laughs) You you can call it your medical You can call it whatever you want to call it. So when people start talking about the labels, that's like ego, it's shame, it's fear. It's all the things that we're trying to medicate in the first place. And it's all the things that we don't know how to deal with that are the reason that we seek out help. The reason we seek help is because we don't know how to deal with ego, fear, shame, guilt, remorse, blah, 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 right? So those are the things you need help with. 
The drinking itself, that's going to be resolved in the process of doing some sort of therapeutic work, reaching out, whether it's moderation management, asking for help, what have you. So yeah, you're afraid of being called an addict. Cool. Are you afraid of being called a felon? Are you afraid of being called a a divorcee? Afraid of being called a deadbeat dad, a deadbeat mom? How scary are the labels? Because guess what? If you continue to drink and you actually are this thing that shall not be named, you're going to have a lot more labels than that. A lot. And you don't have a control over those labels. So for me personally, when I found out that my problem was alcoholism and that I wasn't completely insane, like just certifiable, you end up in the psych ward enough times, you start to go, I don't know. Right? It's like... (laughs) That was great news. That was fantastic news. So again, that may not be your situation. You may be in limos drinking great liquor and it's all well and dandy. But at a certain point, you're going to have other labels. So you may want to get into the driver's seat of this pretend vehicle that we're talking about and start to choose what the labels you want to interact with are going to be so that they aren't chosen for you. Because that's what happens if you are on that progressive road. Okay, I'm given into your definition where this is causing me problems. What's just step one? Because that's all I can handle right now, Ashley. You've beaten me down. I don't so know. Relatable. What, uh, you know, I'm beating myself down, baby. <laughs> uh, step one. So step one. Are we talking about alcohol? Sure. Okay. Step one. I have a drinking problem. Okay. So a couple things. The first thing I would do is okay. So let me disclaim the things that I'm about to say sound very convenient because some of them involve me. Okay. So I want to put a disclaimer out there that I really am genuinely not saying this for my personal benefit, despite being involved in a few of these things. The reason I'm involved in them is because they're very helpful and I help people get into recovery. So I just want to make that disclaimer. Like it's super convenient sounds convenient some of the things i'm going to say but i want i want i really want people to know that they it's legit these are legitimate things to do so the first thing that i would do if i felt like i had a problem with something is i would you know if i'm not willing to talk about it with people right like i've decided that i have a drinking problem in my head i'm not going to say this shit out loud i'm going to start listening to some recovery podcasts where people are telling their stories and talking about their drinking right so i want the first thing you want to do is you're in a fact finding mission. You're going to gather info. You're going to listen to other people. You're going to find people who've been through what you've been through, get some information, feel, have some relation, like relate to people, right? Look for the similarities, not the differences. I'm going to say that again. It's very important. Look for the similarities, not the differences. So if you go to an AA meeting, you can go to, you know, if you're comfortable looking one up in your area, going in person, going online, go to lionrock.life has something called community meetings where you can, doesn't matter what kind of recovery you're in, you can go check them out. See if you relate to any of the stories, talk to people after, tell them what's going on. You don't know any of these people. You're never going to see them again, unless you do. You start to hear, right? You start to listen and hear what is it that I relate to. Eventually what happens is you hear someone tell your story. You hear someone who doesn't look anything like you describe the things that are going on in your head. And you realize there's something that this is an actual thing. You can relate to people. And then you start to learn about what they did to get well. So the first part is going out and listening to other people who've made those changes in their life or who you can relate to. Okay. That 
is the first step. Awesome. Ashley, mm. for people who want to have a question on one of these Q&A episodes, yes. how would somebody go about doing such a thing? Okay. There are so many ways to get a hold of me. It's actually terrifying. So please, you can send us email at podcast at lionrock.life. You can find me on TikTok. TikTok. I should be able to say it. TikTok. Is that how I know I'm not... I'm too old to be on it? Is that the, yeah. is that the hint? Yeah. I'm okay. on TikTok too. It's awesome. <laughs> how it's you know? The, it's the bee's knees, Ashley. How you know? I am tip top. Yes, I'm credible, I swear. So I'm on TikTok, <laughs> Ashley Low Blossing Game. I am on Instagram, Ashley Low Blossing Game. You can find us, follow us on Instagram, which is Courage to Change, written out, underscore podcast. Okay, so those are the main ways. Did I miss any? Oh, that's good. Okay. We don't want people to not be able to find us on TikTok. <laughs> well, you can get to search around a little bit on TikTok, but you will find us. If you work hard enough, you, you will, will find, find us, us and we will answer your question. I swear <laughs> I haven't been drinking. Oh, God. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We're going to be doing this some more. We've got some questions and we want more. So we appreciate you. Ashley, anything to leave them with? If this was helpful, please let us know. Please let us know any questions that you want to have answered. Happy to help. And sometimes it's really helpful for us to get very specific questions or a circumstance. And I can give more direct feedback on that. I get a lot of those questions. And you know, I love being able to provide exact or very specific rather feedback. Because sometimes when you're making blanket statements, it feels disingenuous. So please feel free to reach out with circumstances that you want us to talk about and, and happy to do that and help. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a diverse and supportive recovery community offering over 70 weekly online peer support meetings, useful recovery information, and entertaining content. Whether you're newly sober, have many years in recovery, or you're recovering from something other than drugs or alcohol, we have space for you. Visit www.lionrock.life today. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.